And welcome in to the Empire Dynasty League podcast. Oh no. It's been what? it's been a tough off season, boys. Jeez, he's flat. Uh yeah. Been here. Um, hosting, I guess. Joined by what? Chris. How are you? What happened, mate? I'm up and about. What happened? Uh, not much. Just, um, you know, just been some soul searching going on this off season. Just ended on a very, very low note. I've been in a bit of a dark place. It's, uh, it's been a long time to get this pod up and running and yeah, it was hard to even get up and about today. But uh, Hod, I can't leave you there in the wings. How are you, mate? Very good, boys. You might be in... Uh, the dark spirits, Ben, but jeez, your hair's looking good. Have you seen Manny recently or what's going on here? That's a very sensible haircut. It's true. I, uh, in in my downward spiral of an off-season, I just refused to leave the house, get a haircut. I was looking dishevelled. But, you know, I, uh, yeah, I, I decided that we, we were picking the pot up again and... Um, as flat as attack as I was, I thought I better look sharp for the inaugural one. So let's get some regular tunes happening here and let's try and bring it up a beat. Uh, but welcome back, everyone. This is the 2022 season of the Empire Dynasty League. And, you know, we said back at the beginning it would be interesting to see if this could go even beyond maybe three episodes. And here we are going into a third season, boys. But hold, I can Mm. see. What did you want to uh, jump in with? Well, I'm not letting this haircut go that easily. I have it on good grapevine authority. We're getting it back real early. The, The sponsorships have been rolling in for season three. And you had to look the part to talk to some big hotshot CEOs. Can you confirm or deny uh, I've just uh, checked over with my legal team here and the legal team at the Empire Dynasty League podcast, and right. I cannot confirm nor deny, uh, but there may be some some more action on the old Instagram page, and it could be in the form of videos, so I thought we probably can't have uh, shabby appearances going on there, and there's shocked looks on the other two faces here as I say that, so get amongst wow. us, boys. We're gonna, wow. We like to boost the production value every season as we go. By season six, we're going to have... Uh, well, I'll be sitting on a throne, I reckon. Um, don't know what else we can add for the production value. Well, Elon Musk could buy us out the way he's going. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> and if that's, not, if that's not everyone's dream as a podcast to be bought out by Elon Musk, I don't know what uh, we're doing here. But welcome back, boys. 2022 season. There's a lot that has gone down and um, we had to... Hold fire. We had to hold back on the constant requests of when is the pod going to get up and running because there has been that much that has gone on this off season. So we uh, we had to hold hold fire a little bit, wait for a little bit to to go down in the NFL world, such as the NFL draft, which has just taken place, and I think that's given us a much greater landscape to talk about. Um, but before we get into the football that everyone is tuning in to listen for. I think we need to start with a massive congratulations to Jim and his now fiancé, Bex, who uh, just got engaged over the weekend. So well done, big Jim City there, popping the question. No, I was just going to say, before you go on, mate, a huge congratulations to Jim, no doubt. But I've actually got word through that he's he's looking at trading her for a 2025 fourth rounder. (laughs) 
So just just hold fire. Maybe get some insurance on the ring. I'm not sure what you need to do, Bex, but just 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 be aware. Jim can pull the trigger at any moment. Oh, that's topical because I was going to ask if he got into his stallion outfit the night of the proposal. We'll never know, but at least we. It's good to know, Jim, that Bex. Uh, she didn't agree to marry you based on your dynasty team lineup. So it's good to know that <laughs> she still decided to invest in the future with you, mate. So congratulations, all jokes aside. But uh, awesome news there. Look, I touched on it a little bit earlier. It was a bit of a flat intro, uh, very different to what we usually kick off the show with, but. We did have a grand final in between the last episode and this one um, and wasn't really much of a contest in the end, unfortunately. So apologies to everyone out there. It was between myself and the old Prestige Worldwide um, who we've got some clips. This is just a bit of a sound grab of the locker room of the Prestige Worldwide on that fateful grand final day. Yeah. You have to call me Dragon. You have to call me Nighthawk. And that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, was an exchange that went on between Braxton Berrios and Kyle Juszczyk just to get them pumped up before the game. <laughs> and that uh, that really set the tone for the old Prestige Worldwide and... Like I said, wasn't much of a contest. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I don't. I don't think anyone deserves to win a grand final putting up a measly 117, which my team did, just shy of 118. But Maddie Max team put up 148 there, so well deserved. Not not the highest scoring game that we've seen in this league so far, but you know, just too many uh, pieces there that I couldn't get over the line with. God. Now I could not tell you who played in that game or who scored what. I think we'll dive into that at a later stage when Maddie, uh, we're graced with Maddie's presence. Oh, you don't remember a 50-burger from fucking Jamar Chase? That was a pretty notable one, wasn't it? There it is, the first one of the year. Um, But what I will say is I know in Matt's dealings in his trades throughout that season that uh, we were were critical at times, uh, myself included, that he was not pulling the trigger like a couple of you boys have done in the past to really shore up those lineups to give it a red-hot crack. And he banked on himself to see that squad through and he had the confidence they could get it done and he did that exactly and kept the future assets. So well played there, Thais. Keeney, you look like a stunned mullet, mate. Give us something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's one thing to say, to say that, Hod, but when you're rolling out Kyle Juszczyk, Braxton Berrios and Lev Bell in the final, I'm not sure you're backing in the squad to get it done, mate. That's that's incredible I'm GM just work. I would, I'm, <laughs> so I'm just saying. I was up in Yarrawonga where the uh, longer. Oh, and here they are. Yes. I think, and but I think he... uh, the, the biggest takeaway from me in the first two years in particular, I think we've touched on it before, get in the playoffs, boys, and... Anyone's a sniff. Just get in there. All you have to do is get on a little run. Every game's an elimination game, so everyone's a chance. So I think that might set a bit of a trend going forward that, you know what, I might not have 
the strongest roster out of the six remaining teams, but who cares if I'm in there, I'm a chance. And I think that's happened in year one and two. Yep, absolutely. And you know what? Uh, It also highlighted that even in a very thin league like ours, that you can still find some little diamonds in the rough on the waivers. And Matty Mack surely did that with fucking Braxton Berrios scoring a 21 as he rolled him out in the final week. And good on him because it's not like he did it without backing himself in because he posted that many pictures of the prick fishing with his top off and all sorts of (laughs) (laughs) clickbait. Is royalty uh, there in Thayersland, but uh, he did he did score those points for the Gang Green, and boy, wow, we will the Gang Green maybe feature in the next couple of weeks. There's a few <laughs> juicy prospects there. Yeah, is it fair to say up. that Braxton's <laughs> ship has sailed in that offense with what they've picked up? Yeah, with a big fat chip. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Who cares? Yep, and uh, like you pointed out, we will we'll go into a bit more detail with that. We'll get Matty Mack on to talk about all the fucking master strokes and the other strokes that he's had since winning. Um, <laughs> but enough about that. <laughs> we have heard more than enough about those teams that made it to the pointy end of 2021, and I'm sure that everyone tuning in today is sick of listening about those lineups because it's all about the teams that are now going to feature in the draft. So before we get to that, there's been a lot of action hasn't there, boys, in the trading department. It's just I'm feeling very left out. There, there has been, but I just I find it funny that you've just gone, well, look, there's enough about talking about those top-end teams. Let's move on to the off-season trades where we can talk about a few more of those top-end teams. <laughs> <laughs> because really? the top-end teams have been busy. Busy. There's, there's a few others that have featured in there, but you're right. It really is just Camo and, and Muddy Mac <laughs> and you and Jim. They've featured in a lot of those, but let's just run through a few notable trades. There's about eight, I think, that we recorded that went down, but boys, the one that stands out to me, the absolute barnstormer of a trade when it came through, boy, did I, you know, that emoji of just the big eyes, I recreated Mm. that in real life as I saw that, and that was Camo and Matty Mack doing a trade where Camo received Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb, Gabe Davis, and Matty Mack's 2024 second, and Matty Mack in return. You would think that's a pretty one-sided haul, but in return, Matty Mack getting Joe Burrow, Jarrett Patterson, two 2023 first, being mine and Keeney's, a 2023 third as well, just to round it out, which is Matty Mack getting his own third back. Um, but yeah, trade calculator, Hod, you punched this in, and what did it come out as? Uh, pretty much dead even, boys. It was, uh, yeah, can't can't really split the difference, which makes this even more interesting because there are a lot of huge assets here. Um, obviously, it does put a bit of emphasis on those 2023 firsts. Uh, I will say that they have not been split up as to f- uh, start, middle, end. They sort of average so it, it out, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's, it's just average sort of like out. Middle of so, the- um, I'm sure when we get closer to that, um, Matt's value will go up. But at this point in time, it's an even trade um, and a huge one. What do we think, boy? Like this was a this was a monster trade. And look on on face value, it looks pretty fair. Both sides got an elite quarterback, um, and really, Camo's cashed in his two firsts for Ceedee Lamb, basically, and Gabe Davis. So that's sort of what it boils down to. But what do we think about? Um, Matty Mack getting Joe Burrow here. The, the big thing that struck me was that he's got Jamar Chase and T Higgins and he loads them up with Joe Burrow. Now, we know how well the Bengals went last year. Um, it's a big, that's a pretty big 
play on one team in, in fantasy? What do you boys think? Chips in, absolutely. Um, I mean, they showed that they were a very successful offense. You could look at it two ways. You could look at is regression going to take place there and do you want to diversify rather than lean more into that? But I suppose he got rid of a stack in Lamb and Prescott anyway. Um, so it's not like he overly changed that up. It's just more you're right that he's got two heavy receivers to go with that. So maybe, I don't know, down the track he's looking at offloading one of those receivers. Maybe that's his grand plan in the end and he prefers the stack of Burrow and Chase. Um and maybe he views it as he's going to get more years out of Burrow than Prescott. But when we get him on, I'm sure he can probably fill us into a bit more of his thinking because I'm sure, knowing knowing the man himself, he doesn't do things in halves and he doesn't think too lightly on things. And if anything, overthinks and overanalyzes every micro decision that he makes. So I'm sure he didn't think too lightly before pulling the trigger on that. I would uh, only comment I'd make is I think he's opted for the better stack, uh, probably arguably the best stack in Dynasty because Chase would be right up there as one of the best assets. Um, and in the meantime, he's just added to this draft that he seems to have every pick in. So um, I think that's the angle of attack and he's executed it quite well. What I also will say, sorry, is uh, Gabe Davis, though, for Camo, if he still has him, he's probably on nope. traded him and I haven't seen it, but <laughs> if he still has him, um, sneaky, sneaky, nice player here because they uh, the Bills have picked up um, Shakir, I believe, uh, who's, an, who's a nice little receiver, but um, they didn't add anything in the really early rounds. And obviously Cole Beasley's out of there. So Gabe Davis is a really nice wide receiver too in a stacked offense with tassels. Um, yeah, that's a nice, nice little play there for Camo. Yep. Well done, Jake, for uh, scratching that itch of Camo's... <laughs> Trading bug that he's got. Uh, but move on to the next one, Kino, which does feature the man again. Come on. Yeah. It sure does. He features in everything. He I really actually does. did a rundown of all the trades. He's in seven of eight trades. Um, so Camo then decided to flip Dak Prescott, Brandon Cooks, and a 2024 second, which is Matt, Matty Max. And he got Tua, AJ Brown, uh, and a 2023 third. So. Interesting pivot from Joe Burrow all the way down to Tua Tagovailoa. Um, but in return, obviously, CD in the last trade, AJ Brown in this trade, two young, top, arguably top five or six dynasty wide receivers for the next, for his sake, six to eight years, hopefully. So um, sort of he's obviously channeling. That's the direction he wants to go, and um, he's, he's pulled that trade off. What do we think? Yeah, I think um, obviously massive upgrade at his wide receiver. There's no arguing there. You said a downgrade in tour, I guess. It depends on how you look at what this season could look like. If there's ever a season this bloke is going to succeed, you'd think it'd be now with all the moves they've been making in the offseason. So maybe it's more that Camo's not looking at it necessarily as a downgrade, a huge downgrade in talent, but it's definitely a massive uptick in risk. Um, I think we, you know, Dak could have an average season and he'd still hold value. I think if Tua has another down season, his value takes a fair hit as a result of that. And, you know, that's a position that you want to have absolutely shored up in Superflex. So huge risk there, but if it pays off, that's uh, it's a very nice move for him. Yeah, that's right. And it's it's just a high variance play, isn't it? So it's 
it's it's taking on some variants that probably I didn't want to take on, but you get handsomely rewarded um, with the that. Brandon Cooks to AJ Brown upgrade in the process. So probably didn't happens. want to take it on. You you did the trade, mate. Of course you wanted to get off that risk as much as you could. <laughs> it's <a> fair trade. <laughs> They are all fair trades uh, when you're involved, Keeney. Uh, I don't have anything to say on this one, but I will uh, move on to the next little one we have here, and that is Antonio Gibson, uh, who Camo has acquired from the champ, Maddie Mac, uh, who received a 2023 first, which is Tim Oss's. Um, which is another interesting one. Maybe Matt likes mm. where Tim might finish Ooh. next year. Um, but looking at it, uh, it's pretty pretty much um, same, same, uh, mm. just because we don't know where that pick will be. But interestingly, with Antonio Gibson, do we think that Matty was perhaps thinking that the commanders, which feels weird to say, mm. uh, they may have been in the market for a running back and, of course, uh, the crystal balls, um, have come through for Thais, and they did pick a running back in the third round. So what do we think there? Nah, spot on, mate. I think, yeah, twofold. Works well for Matty in terms of securing that uh, 2023 first, who I believe takes him to seven next mm. year in what has been touted as a very, very nice class. Um, so clearly that's sort of strategy one. But strategy two is I think you're spot on. I think he there was a lot of rumours about Washington interviewing a lot of the top-end running backs, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker. Um, and maybe using a, a first round or early second round on running back. And I think that really scared Matty Mack to, to sell off for what I think is probably reasonable value for Antonio Gibson, I think. I think that's about right, um, depending on where the pick is. But I think sort of Matt gets out of that, grabs another pick. I think that's on the surface a pretty fair deal. Um, and Camo takes on a bit more risk as well. Yep. And I think you touched on there, the, the chance of him dropping value after the draft was there. So holding that value, building up another 2023 first, adding it up to seven, like you said, is just, and one that is heavily touted as a solid running back class. So Matt's probably seeing it. He's won the championship. He can take on a little bit more of that risk to go, well, if it's a slight downtick this season in running back production, he's well and truly, you would think, getting it back after that 2023 rookie draft if he holds those picks and turns them into players. But there's a lot to go down in between now and then, isn't there? Um, we won't jump in too much to these trades, but here are the other ones that went down. Camo, who would have thought, involved again, uh, getting... Well, this is how he got Tim Oss's 2023 first-round pick. He got that and Steve uh, Manny, who knows him as Steve, Manny's 23 second, and he traded with Jade. Jade, Jesus Christ, how am I going? Wowee! I uh, combined Jake and Gabe Davis. I don't know. <laughs> Just morphing names. Jake got Juju, uh, Gabe Davis, and the 212 and the 2023 third as a result of that. So a bit to go. What do we think of Juju just quietly? Was this pre or post the trade to the Chiefs? That was after. Um, it was interesting. Both those players probably went into the draft this this week with um, questions surrounding uh, surrounding their teams mm. potentially drafting another wide receiver on top. Obviously, you touched on Hod that Gabe Davis sort of survived the draft. I thought the Chiefs went and took Sky Moore in the in the second round. Um, so a little bit of competition there, but I think sort of Juju's role at 
Kansas City is pretty safe, and I think he's not a bad play this this year as a yeah. you know a potential top twenty wide receiver. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Before that pick, well, either way, I think Juju is getting paid pretty handsomely, so that typically um, turns into opportunities for fantasy football. But um, I have looked at Sky Moore a little bit, and he is one of the more productive slot receivers in this draft class. So it does add a little bit of um, interest into this um, position going forward with the Chiefs because now who have they got? Um, Juju, Hardman. Hardman's more of the field stretcher though, so I don't think Juju and Sky really affect him. MVS is uh, the other wild card, but it's going to be interesting without Hill there. Joshy Um, Gordon. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. Um, yeah. Um, more trades involving Camo, just because why not? Um, Keenan Allen, Davis Mills, and a Jim's 23 third, and Jim got Devonta Smith, so just shuffling the cards and the deck around a bit there. Another trade, Jim getting Gus Edwards, Corey Davis, the t- Matty Max 2023 20, fourth. He loves a fourth, this bloke. Jesus. And Matty Mac got Curtis Samuel, the 309 and the 312 in this draft. Papa and Jim then... Uh, had a little trade there. Josh Jacobs to Pappas' side plus MVS. Jim gets Aaron Jones and Demarcus Robinson. A little bit of an age swap there, Hod. Uh, yeah, I just want to touch on before you wrap it up there. So Devonta Smith is one that jumps out. Obviously, big news with AJ Brown joining the Eagles um, very recently. Devonta Smith is not a number one wide receiver. I think we've seen that last year, but... Can he thrive as the number two? So my question is, do you think this is a hit to Devonta Smith's value with AJ Brown joining the Eagles? Or do you think this is, could be a nice little duo where, um, like we've seen in years past with Thielen and Jefferson, where you have two really productive wide receivers in the one team? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know, isn't it? Because when he was technically the number one guy, wasn't a super productive season. So even if his season is improved, you could argue it both ways. I think it's going to work in his favor. He's clearly going to be a guy who will produce. Um, and you would argue that AJ is going to get more of a focus in that offense than he would. So hopefully he does reap some benefits there for old Jimos. And he's got the Hertz stack with him as well, which is a nice little wrinkle. Yeah, I Lots think... a wrinkle. Yeah, I think... Um, look, I think... It has to hurt him a little bit um, in terms of the target share and AJ Brown being the the number one man in that offense. You'd think they just paid him $100 million over four years. So um, I take your point on board, though. I think it can help him as a number two receiver in terms of the coverage he's going to get, and, and that's probably going to be his role. I just don't – it probably limits his ceiling a little bit for mine. Yeah. Um, but-, but having said that, Jim um, – having the QB there, I think the wheels up for Hertz. Like he's had a great off season. So yeah. I think sort of offset a little bit by owning Hertz. So I think net net he's come out all right. Absolutely. Hod. Uh, my other point there, sorry. Um, my flight's just been canceled to Sydney tomorrow morning. So the phone is ringing. Wow, wow. Um, so the other one I wanted to touch on there, Josh Jacobs. So Pappas mm. obviously, uh, Pretty similar players. Uh, Aaron Jones, probably the best player in the deal, but uh, Pappas got younger there. I think that was the appeal with um, this trade. But uh, 
in my little draft prep, here's a little snippet for maybe next week, but Zamir White, the uh, Raiders, that's what they're called, aren't they? Raiders. They they've, uh, they've picked him in the fourth round. Now, this guy could be very special. And Josh Jacobs is on a one year or on his last year. I don't think they went with his fifth year option. So this is Correct. one to watch here. Um, he Papa may have got younger, but he may not be in this star-studded offense with Devontae Adams for much longer. Mm. Yep. That's the, that's the big one, Hod, is that the day before the draft, they elected not to pick up his fifth year and then go out and, and draft White. So certainly an interesting watch. I think, yeah, I mean, it makes sense for both teams, I think, in this one. I think if you talk to Papa, he's he's back in this year. He was, And we'll get to some, some off-season movement in a second, but he was... Moping around a bit like Ben in the intro, but uh, ever since one bit of news, he's uh, he's up and about, and just won't shut him up about his little Atlanta stack that no one's talking oh, about. The stack no one's talking about exactly. And I've also um, I've had some news coming across my desk that Josh Jacobs he's fucking struggling in that retirement home. <laughs> he's got he's got no one to sort of. No uh, friends. No friends. No one sort of talking on the same level as him. They're all talking about the, the good boomers. old days, and he's trying to, you know, he's trying to jump on TikTok and do some dances, and yeah, no one to uh, to collaborate with there. So I think he's he's struggling at the punishes. Th- but God, I think the I think the new song it's it's by Wham, isn't it? Isn't that the new uh, song for the Papa Springs that Josh Jacobs has been caught dancing to? Yeah, what's what's that song? Wake me Wake up. Wake me up before you go, go. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Loves a jitterbug. All right, last trade was uh, yourself, Keeney, and Jim, another bloke who loves to get involved in trades. And I said before, he loves a fourth-round pick. Jalen Rager for Keeney's 2024 fourth. I don't know if this needs to get much airtime. I know Jim is off on the bloke, but he's a former first-round pick, Jim, and you are a Philly fan <laughs> giving him fucking nothing. Fourth-rounder. What are you going to turn that into that could be even remotely close to an underperforming Jalen Rager? I guess we'll wait and see. I think this may be the quickest answer in the history of podcasts, but do we feel like there was some emotion involved with Jim here? Oh, and if there's ever a bloke who's just going to sort of slide into some DMs when someone's a little bit emotionally distraught, Keeney's just sort of, hey, you know, I, I know you're a bit flat and uh, <laughs> we've just picked up he might have got overs. You probably don't want too many Philly receivers, do you? I'll just, I'll take that one off your hand for a fourth round pick. He, he might have got overs in the end. They just traded AJ Brown in and they're trying to ship him and he might just be a special teams player. Rumour has anyway, it that Keeney we'll, we'll originally offered a third and Jim said, nah, I only deal in fourths. <laughs> he, this is a true story. When I asked about him, he said, I would give him to you for a Kit Kat. So what do you want? <laughs> oh, something tangible. That'd be nice. All right, Keeney, uh, I know you love doing this sort of stuff. Let's Let's just... The last we'll talk about Camo for this podcast, I promise everyone. But he's done a lot of trades. And what is that net result in and out for his team after the convoluted series of trades he's done there? Yeah, we'll have a look at sort of Camo's net result here. And I think when you look at his team, it's a pretty uh, formidable-looking starting lineup, Hod. You're in his division. But uh, safe to say, it doesn't matter who's what division you're in. It's a, it's a nice-looking starting lineup, I think. So in totality... 
um, if you want to look at sort of what Camo's done in the offseason. He's upgraded his receivers, Cooks, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Devonta Smith into A.J. Brown, CeeDee Lamb, and Keenan Allen. He's also added the running back, Antonio Gibson, and he's moved Joe Burrow off for Tua Tagovailoa and Davis Mills. All of that has cost him two first-rounders that could be sort of back-end in 2023. So um, net result, I think uh, is pretty happy with his uh, his work in the off-season here. He's been busy, he's been active, and it's good for the league, I think, that he's uh, involved in the trades. We missed him for a long time, and no more curfews, please, Camo. I should uh I should know this. Um, who are Camo's starting receivers here? AJ Brown, CD Lamb. So no, so sorry. Um, quarterbacks. The ones all in the trade. <laughs> yeah. So that's um, yeah, that's it. Justin Herbert, Herbert, Tua, and Tua, Ryan. Matt Ryan, Davis Mills. Oh, so he's got Matt Ryan. Okay. Obviously, um, yeah, his skill positions have improved enormously. Um, but as we pointed out earlier or we may point to in a little moment but the quarterbacks um, and the scarcity around them are obviously uh, a very important factor in a super flex league so obviously in saying that Tua is the big wild card in this net net if he turns out to be what the Dolphins are aspiring uh, he Camo is looking pretty pretty good here but if not um, start giving away Joe Burrow, who's arguably one of the best in Dynasty, is going to hurt. Yep. And I, I just quickly, I like him taking on that risk because he has someone like a Matt Ryan sitting there who we'll talk about in a sec. He's obviously moved on to Indy, a very good situation for him. Um, it means that even if Tua doesn't take, he's still got someone in the wings who can absolutely be a starter. And he, you could argue he's cashed in on Burrow at the absolute height of his powers as well. So... Um, if it means that he's able to boost up all the positions around him and, and strengthen that lineup, I think that's – it just shows, I think, in one offseason how quickly you can change the look of your team if you're really wheel and deal enough like Camo did. In an offseason, the man needs 10 minutes and he can flip <laughs> his squad. But we did uh, fail to mention he actually runs five deep here, Camo, because he has the starting quarterback for the New York Giants in Tyrod Taylor. Papa will be uh, – hang on, who has – who has Daniel Jones? Papa. Yeah, Papa. Yeah. He'll be very nervous. Very nervous with the mm. big tie rod coming around. Papa might yep. throw him a jab right into the chest. I was going to say, get the doctor out there. <laughs> All right. We'll, uh, we'll punch on now with some NFL news. Every newsman in this city is laughing at us, and I don't like it. And what... A long list of news we've got to get through here. So we're going to break it down position by position. And let's start with uh, the most important position in the NFL. And I'd say probably the most important position in this Superflex dynasty as well. And that's the uh, quarterback position. Let's kick it off, Keeney, with uh, which turned into a bit of a roller coaster ride. But what was the first one there that got one bloke down and up at the same time? Indeed, I alluded to it before. And we're just going to go through a, a few key talking points Um in the off-season for each position here. I'll start off with one young 45-year-old Thomas Brady. Now, he had he, he jumped out of Papa Springs and just realised that it's not for him. He needs to be back involved um, amongst the, the treatment down at Papa Springs. But um, crazy off-season scenes. He, the, the Bucks just bow out and, you know, that's it for Brady. And Papa's 
shopping Kelsey around to anyone that'll have a sniff. He's shopping Cooper Cup. Oh, no, sorry. Cooper Cup's untouchable. Can't trade him. Um, but all of his old, old, old assets were on the block. And then all of a sudden, Tom Brady says, no, no, no. I've got unfinished business to attend to. I don't know what the fuck that unfinished business is, but he's back. He's back in Tampa Bay. The coach is gone, which was part of the deal, no doubt. And um, Papa's back along with that. So Papa is he's back. He thinks he's going to win it. I think number nine won't sit well with him again. So uh, that was a massive story in the offseason. I look forward to hearing from Papa in the near future. I... Uh... I love that you brought that up. The old unfinished business. Is that not the most ridiculous fucking thing you've heard from a bloke He's that won has seven won rings. everything that you could possibly think of? He's got all the records just about sewn up now. And he's like, no, nah, I've got unfinished business. That is it's as delusional as the bloke that has him on his roster. That's why they're a perfect fit together. Um, let's Another one that was very interesting, a young quarterback in Kyler Murray. Just having the old holdout for Arizona. And he was playing all the great games that... A lot of players do these days when he scrubbed his Instagram account of everything that was Arizona Cardinals and got a lot of people talking on Twitter and, you know, it's just resulted in the front office just trying to do everything in their power to keep him happy and that included trading for uh, Hollywood Brown in the, during the draft, I should say, just to team him up. They played at college together from memory, didn't they? They did. Yeah, so pairing him up with someone other than DeAndre Hopkins, but... Another interesting point that I've just uh, got here for the quarterbacks, and that is the Titans also drafting Malik Willis there at their quarterback position. And that's just got to leave Timos leaving a little bit nervy if he's got this sort of unsettled quarterback, prima donna, if you will, for the uh, Cardinals. And then the Titans already drafting the replacement, apparently, for Tannehill. Yeah, well, I mean, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, you know, they're not, they're not the big names here that we're talking about because the big, big digit himself, Deshaun Watson, <laughs> has secured a world record. Uh, How many million dollars was it? 240? Uh, more than you can count on one digit. Oh, there it is. Stop it. <laughs> Knock it off, Kenny, you sick bastard. Now, Deshaun Watson, going to the Browns. What do we think here, boys? Um because it's going from a dome uh, where he obviously lit up three years in a row being top five quarterback. Um, it's, it's always going to be good when he's playing because he's a, he's a fantasy darling um, with that running capability. But what do we feel in Cleveland with Deshaun? And, and, and we can't ignore that there probably will be some form of early suspension to come. Yeah, you would think so. Um, like Keeney was mentioning off air before, I think the deal is in... A, in favour of the Browns, obviously, paying him more in the second season, isn't that right, than the first season, which is obviously going to account yeah. for some form of suspension, whatever it may be, which at this stage I think a lot of people are assuming it would be something similar to what Zeke had a few years ago, that sort of six-week um, suspension I think he got. I I found the whole exchange just fascinating when the rumours came out that Cleveland were interested and then, you know, Watson was sort of like, eh, it's outdoors, not, not that I don't want to go to Cleveland, not very interested. And they said, there's a hundred mil guaranteed. And he said, yep, sign me up. Like, it's very easy to turn someone uh, and change their decision when you offer a hundred mil guaranteed on the table. It's, you'd be pretty stupid to pass up money like that. 
but it'll be interesting. And I mean, I like it because a week beforehand, Amari Cooper got traded there and I thought, oh shit, that's not good for his value. And then, you know, Deshaun goes there. So that's all I mean, looked pretty nice there. Yeah, I think this is a pretty nice roster in Cleveland. Like, I think they're genuine Super Bowl contenders, um, particularly if Deshaun can sort of play in the back end of the year. Um, and it's a, it's probably an interesting fantasy fit, Hod. They're a pretty run-dominant sort of team, or they have been in the past. They've obviously got Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and even Dionis Johnson shown a little bit um, over the last couple of years. But Amari Cooper in town, I think they probably are going to add another um, wide receiver, whether it be Landry coming back or maybe OBJ once he's over his ACL. They've also got Donovan Peoples Jones, um, you know Anthony Swartz. They've got a few younger pieces as well, so it's not. It's a nice offense. I'd, are you happy with um, the landing spot, given the options at, at hand, given that you have Deshaun Watson in fantasy? Yeah, I mean the Amari Cooper one obviously helps. Um, I think you know he's a he's a top wide receiver in the game. Um, Interesting they brought back Njoku because mm. I've got the glorious stack here of Deshaun and Harrison Bryant. You just watch this, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to explode at some point. Um, but uh, there, there were some probably would have liked Carolina, if I'm perfectly honest, um, a little bit more. Uh, I'm just It'll be interesting to see later in the year, playoff season, when Cleveland gets a little snowy just to see how that uh, impacts Deshaun and this offense. But uh, obviously just gambled on that um, over a year ago now for the chance for him to get picked up by someone. So I can't be complaining with any team, to be honest. It's true. It's worked out relatively quickly in your favor. You would think that turned around pretty quickly because it was so up in the air when you did pick him up. But they're the kind of risks like we were talking about with Camo getting tour that you've got to take and they'll hopefully work out in your favor. Um. We'll go with the flow-on effect of that one, and that is now Baker Mayfield still on the Cleveland Browns, but arguably you could almost say without a home right now because there's no way in hell this bloke stays on their roster unless they have some good inside word that Deshaun's going to miss a fair chunk of the season and maybe they just keep him around and keep him relatively happy. But I, I can't see this really getting much further than him getting traded onto somewhere like Carolina or... or I mean, they've, yeah, there's a few teams that have been floated around, but it'd be interesting to see where he lands. Mm. Yep, for sure. And um, obviously, he's uh, currently on young Jakey's roster. Someone else on Jake's roster is Drew Locke, who was involved in the big trade, probably the biggest trade of the offseason, really, when Russell Wilson um, Moved on to Denver from Seattle after many years in Seattle. Massive trade. They got a pretty big-ish haul, I suppose. Noah Fant was also involved. We'll get into. We'll um, talk about that in a sec. But um, you know, a, a pretty a pretty nice landing spot for Russell Wilson, no doubt. Um, I think they've got a bunch of weapons, a shitload, really. Um, so. Me being the Wilson owner, I'm pretty happy. Well, I was just going to jump in there. I like how you you really centered that trade around the bloke who owns Drew Locke and how that impacts him. Meanwhile, <laughs> I can't see a bigger smile on someone's face than Keeney when he talks about where Russell Wilson moved from. Because let's uh, let's not sugarcoat this. You're not the biggest Seattle fan going around in real life, are you, mate? And uh, having their quarterback, I'm sure, wouldn't have sat well with you. So the fact that he got out of there and went into a situation where he's just filled to the brim with weapons and he's away from old Pete Carroll, who is as one-dimensional as they come when it 
with an NFL head coach. I think that's a huge, huge win for you. Yeah, well, and it touches a little bit on sort of what we talked about with Hod and Deshaun. And you got to you got to almost sometimes forecast a year in advance and and throw grab a, a few risky players or, or make a few moves that you hope pan off. Now, it wasn't guaranteed that Wilson was going to move from Seattle, but there was rumblings at the start of the year that he wasn't happy there. And I that was part of the trade for me is that I was hoping he'd get traded um, to. And look, I think Denver's ended up being probably the best possible scenario, really. Um, so we'll see what happens. And just just going back to Jake, he currently has um, Derek Carr as his sort of lone QB at the moment with Baker Mayfield not having a spot. Drew Locke may get the start in Seattle. Maybe it's Geno Smith. But gee whiz, Jake needs to make some sort of move there because he's a little skinny in that position now. Hmm. Um, that is true there. But you're not the only one smiling on this podcast about the Russell Wilson um, landing spot. Because our little trade there, Benny, Jerry. if we jog the memory back, that was definitely an appeal for myself getting the young Jerry Judy because they were, I thought it might have been Aaron Rodgers. I didn't obviously think Russell Wilson, but mm. definitely a veteran presence to come in there and hopefully light this offense up. Um, so you're right there, Kenny. It is a great landing spot for your QB there. And hopefully um, this offense is one to watch next year. Yeah, definitely worked out well for Judy there, but. I think if uh, if Debo didn't go on to have the season that he had post our trade, I'd probably be a bit more gutted, but you can't be too mad with what he uh, churned out last year. But finish us off with the last interesting one and then we'll, we'll power on, I reckon, Hod. Well, this is uh, an all-encompassing doublet for me. We'll talk about Matt Ryan to the Colts and obviously Carson Wentz shipped out of there to the Commanders. <laughs> um but we, we've touched on it earlier with Camo. Um, Ryan to Indy, we've definitely, uh, obviously a great offensive line there, um, really good running game, which should make him a pretty efficient quarterback. Um, but then have a look at this draft. We've we've thrown in tight ends galore to go with big Mo Alley and uh, pairing the up-and-coming Pittman with another very big receiver, Alec Pierce. So they've um, definitely surrounded Matt Ryan. Uh, I, I still don't know at his age where he's going to be fantasy relevant. Um, I would expect a low-end wide receiver one as he's ceiling, sort of a high to mid, uh, sorry, quarterback well, one. Impressive, shifted a wide receiver. To, to mid, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would expect a, a high to mid QB2 there, which is always very valuable um, for fantasy. And then Carson Wentz, um, this bloke is an interesting one. We should get mm. Pepper on to talk about him because um, you can't knock the talent. He's he, he can make plays and he's actually very productive in fantasy. I've got him myself. And last year didn't feel very good, but he's still... He still churns out points um, somehow. So he goes to the old rival in Washington. And this will be interesting because they've got a sneaky, sneaky good offense. A um, couple of nice pieces there. So how do we feel with Carson Wentz, boys? Is this a destination where he can produce or um, is the big Sammy Howell going to give him trouble at some point throughout the year? Well, 
Yeah, it's hard to know what this season's going to be for him, but I think the probably the safest bet is if this season isn't a, a success, then he's kind of done as a starting QB. This is it. So it's kind of all or nothing for him here. Um, and you know what? Like, there's been some success from um, who's the bloke that Jake picked up and has ridden for the last two years from the Commanders QB? Taylor Heineke. Heineke. Heineke's had some decent success there. So you can't say that there aren't weapons. He's got um, old scary Terry. He's got Gibson in the backfield. He's got the ability. They've got a good offensive line there. So it is going to be interesting if he can tighten up on those silly, silly mistakes that he just, the brain fades that he has in games. It's whether um, uh, fucking Riviera can coach that out of him. Yeah. But we'll he's, a, he's a really hard QB to sort of assess in, in fantasy, I reckon. I mean, you're right. They do have weapons. McLaurin, Curtis Samuels, another one. They just drafted Dotson in the first round. Yep. So they got... They got some wide receiver talent there, um, and as you as you touched on, Hod, he is a talented QB um, when he puts it all together. I just I have a hard time sort of forecasting where he's going to end up at the end of this year. Um, I think he's got a pretty wide range of outcomes. I think he's probably got a bit more upside than Matt Ryan, but um, but he's probably got a lower floor. So yeah, um, not a, again a pretty not a terrible sort of QB two to own though. As you maybe as your third QB on your roster, like a good good type of play that you'd like to have as that backup bye week type operator, good matchup operator. So, yeah, he's interesting. Yep, range of outcomes for him, and we could even see all of those outcomes all in this one season. That sort of <laughs> seems to be his style, doesn't it? So, we'll run through the last few, and we put these as the honourable mentions. Although one bloke listening might, uh, well, not might, he definitely will argue against this, and that's Marcus Mariota going to Atlanta and uh, looks to be getting some starts there. Mitch Trubisky to Pittsburgh, which for a little while looked to be all right until they went and got Kenny Pickett. So now that's just going to be interesting to watch in this offseason. Jimmy G, still at San Fran, but uh, I mean, all reports from when they finished up, it just seemed absolutely certain that he was going somewhere else. But then now the sort of reports are that they're not that big on old Trey. Um, Well, that's the big news out of this is that, Gee, like I know he's got a big contract and um, he might be harder to ship off, but you'd think a team like Carolina could just jump on Jimmy G with the pieces they've got. I've got a. It seems to me like they are not convinced about Trey Lance. They didn't play him at all last year, only in necessity or under necessity. Um, so that's got to be a concern, I reckon, for the Trey Lance owner in this league. I'm not sure who it is, but yeah, who does um, own him? From memory, that? he went pretty early last year. He went high. Um, is he also the JG so owner as well? He is, and yeah. he's probably looking for that split away, isn't he, to try and get both assets, which is probably half the reason why he he took him as well. But yep. um, yeah, that's that's certainly one to watch for me. Yeah, absolutely. Last one uh, on a bit of a sad note: Dwayne Haskins, obviously having that unfortunate. Passing in the offseason, and that one was a bit of a a strange one. And an interesting player because obviously he had a very unsuccessful first stint at the Commanders or the then Washington football team or whatever they might have been called back then. But, yeah, then looked to have some potential upside on that Pittsburgh offense and and a chance. And it was an interesting flyer for Manny to have on his roster. But, yeah, very sad news. Very sad indeed, and the um, maybe potentially sadder is that he remains Manny's best QB on his roster. So 
Um, that's where he's at. Still on the roster as well, so he's. Uh, I'm sure he's going to uh, hold some tribute to him over the rest in peace, Dwayne. That's yep. all I'll say on that. Move on to running backs. I don't think we're going to spend anywhere near as enough time on these running backs. Uh, Melvin Gordon just continues to be a pain in the ass for any <laughs> uh, Williams owners out there. <laughs> he is. He's just the bloke that doesn't go away. Um, well, they had about a 50-50 split carry and and all reports looked like they were going to get rid of him and he just comes back at the 11th hour. So, fantastic. Chris Carson, retired, uh, had some serious neck injuries. So, no shot He hasn't there. really. But he hasn't really, but he might as well have. Might as and, well. And Scoot, Scoot uh, there's nothing better. And I think Scoot might be tuning in this year, Hod. I think you were telling me that before. I was going to mention that. But uh, there was no one quicker on the chat when the Seattle Seahawks selected Kenneth Walker in the second round <laughs> just to tell Papa what's going on with his boy Chris Carson, who he anointed last year as a top 20 dynasty player from memory in the first pod. So He did. Big fall from grace. What's this Alvin Kamara news? I haven't seen. Uh, you got here, Kenny. You got what? Here. Yeah, I... He was arrested the day after the Pro Bowl. Yeah, well, um, I stopped watching. After. In Las Vegas. Um, so there's a bit of a murky situation going on with Alvin. Um, so the Mark Ingram owner might have a few tasty weeks early on. Is that you, how would... Yes. <laughs> how would you be... Uh... You know, personally, having been to one of the greatest places on earth, how would you be as a real GM of an NFL team when your players are going to the Pro Bowl in Vegas? What, 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 you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't sleep very much uh, no leading win. up to that one. It's a no-win situation. Yeah, no, because exactly they run, right. they run around playing flag football for whatever reason, and then they get to go out and enjoy themselves a little bit too much, like Alvin. Mm. And the last one, we'll just quickly uh, fly through this one. Last one's Michael Carter, Ben. Not a great situation for you with uh, Brees Hall getting taken by the Jets, but I just think as a more sort of broad topic, I just think the it's not it's not always a fun time watching the NFL draft. It is, but it's also very scary when you own certain assets at certain teams and then all of a sudden you see they trade up and you're just thinking, if this is running back, I'm in strife. And I think particularly running back, is the position where this can happen a lot, um, whether it's sort of those those running backs with a bit of later uh, draft capital from the previous year or a new regime regime comes in. You see Travis Etienne last year, same sort of thing happened. Um, they are It's on a knife's edge, really, the value of these running backs going into the draft. So if you can get through the draft and survive, quote-unquote, I think you're pretty happy. Yep, spot on. It's, a, like you said, a pretty... Volatile position because it can change so quickly year to year. Um, you know, just like we said before, the the value impact on Williams pre and post the Gordon signing or re-signing, you know, like just changes so quickly. And you're right, I was looking at the top of that second round after the first round of the NFL draft thinking, if any of these teams at the top of the second took Brees Hall, I'd be kind of happy there because then old Michael Carter's not going to be hugely impacted. But then, of course... There is always the ability for a team to trade up, which the Jets did, and it'll be interesting to see um, how much of an impact it has on him. Obviously, wasn't expecting Carter to be a workhorse type back, so but it does just make the situation a little bit trickier to gauge. Well, I think the last time a team traded up early in the second round for a running back, Keeney, was uh, the big horseshoe, and we all know how that one turned out. So... Um, Brees Hall, obviously a power package, three down back, um, 
for the Jets. It's an exciting prospect. So hopefully, uh, for your sake, Benny, Carter can uh, carve out a little third down role, but it doesn't look promising when you got a big third down back coming in. Yeah, especially when Carter was starting to get some touches on first and second downs mm. as well. Anyway, and productive. We'll, yeah, exactly. We'll move on to the wide receivers. And we uh, we watched the first round of the NFL Ooh. draft. And I tell you what, I was saying to Keeney off air that very rarely do you see players involved in draft trades. But not only did we see players involved, we saw some pretty high-end talent wide receivers involved in very close succession in that. And that was AJ Brown obviously going to Philly and Hollywood Brown going to Arizona and uh, just some gut feel from those two trades, boys. How do we think that has impacted their value? Has it increased, decreased? What are we thinking? You can go. Yeah, um, yeah I'll go. Um, obviously, I've owned AJ, just sold him, um, not because I thought this was going to happen, that's for sure. <laughs> um, look, I think the AJ Brown one, um, it's probably a little bit of a downtick, I think. Um, just because of the QB that's that's throwing in the ball and the, the other weapons around him. Um, but, look, he may just demand um, a, a high target share in that offense. Um, so, if anything, I think it's sort of neutral to slightly down. Hollywood Brown, I sort of feel the same way in a little way. Like, he gets an uptick from the QB, but he goes into an offense with, um, you know, Hopkins, um, Rondell Moore's there. They got a few nice pieces there. Um, pretty good running game. So yeah, I think sort of it's pretty hard to forecast those two. Do you have an opinion on that, on those two? Hot. Um, oh, Brown will be a beast no matter what. Obviously, I think Jim gets a big uptick there with the quarterback. Um, Hollywood Brown. I didn't know this, but you boys were saying went to the same college as Kyla. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Um. Well. Yeah, I, I don't know about I don't know about that one either because um, Hollywood Browns obviously relies on high efficiency, so I don't think that will change for him. Um, he's not a target monster; he just has to come in with those deep shots um, for big yardage and touchdowns. So I don't think it'll be all um, that uh, different for Hollywood Brown going to Arizona. Um, but what I will say is, um, and we probably probably a good segue to get into this next one with Debo, because what the Tennessee Titans have done here is um, got out of a potential huge contract, um, which is what the wide receivers are now. This um, this offseason has set a huge um, market for this, this position. I think it's actually one of the underrated ones. Uh, is Christian Kirk to the Jags mm. setting him at twenty million has sort of reset this market. That's so what, yeah, that was yeah, it, so, mate. That was the one. Yeah, so I think Tennessee have basically drafted AJ Brown's clone um, in Traylon Burks uh, instead of paying him the money. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, and then I think the 49ers are looking at the Debo saga in exactly the same way. They're going to have to fork out 25 to $30 million. Um, so they're obviously exploring their options at this given time with him. Uh, a little upset with things. How do you feel about it, Ben? Um, I kind of look at it both ways. Obviously, you know what you've got if he's in the 49ers offense. If a team's going to pay for him... They're going to pay, obviously, because they know what they can get out of him. And then it also, having Ayuk as well, it could be a big uptick there if he moves on. 
But it is interesting, like we were talking about this on the draft night, that it's almost like NFL teams now are going to have to th- rethink a little bit because of these massive contracts. They might start to play that approach that they've been doing with running backs for the past few years where, you know, they're not paying them the big contracts. They're sort of seeing out their rookie contracts and then getting a new rookie in when they go sign a contract somewhere else. So you just wonder if certain teams are maybe going to shift their mentality and do a little bit of what the Titans did and they clearly had a defined dollar amount that they were willing to spend. Once it went beyond that, which looked to be, what was it, $100 million, four-year $100 million contract or something like that that he went to Philly for, that was too much. And then they went, all right, well, we've got the draft pick to to now pick up, like you said, a replacement for him who's on a rookie deal and we could have a fifth-year option out of that. So, yeah, just interesting to see how NFL teams are going to approach this because at the end of the day, I think teams want to be spending the large chunk of their money on their QB position. Yeah, and uh, obviously um, the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill in the same boat there. Yep. Um, just, just on Debo, Ben, are you concerned that he's sort of come out and said, I don't want to be a running back. I want to be a wide receiver, and quite frankly, his fantasy value skyrocketed when he was when he was a running back and was getting eight handoffs a game. Um, if he goes to another team, or even if he stays with the Niners, do you think that's going away? Well, it definitely seems like that's going to be part of his his uh, yeah what he wants out of his contract. He clearly knows that having more touches in the backfield probably shortens his career. Um, well, he was doing a bit of the Lev Bell type talk, wasn't he? That if I'm going to play both positions, mm. pay me for both. <laughs> we all know how that played out for Lev Bell, so I don't think it's going to play out too well in his favour there. But part mm. of it might be that if he does re-sign, he's very stubborn in saying, I'm not going to be taking handoffs in the backfield. But you're right, it was very nice to watch, especially when I was rolling out 349ers and one just happened to turn into their foe running back during the week. But so Just score every time. The Tyreek Hill one is was a fascinating one. And once again, going back to that notion of just how teams are going to have to rethink these expensive contracts for wide receivers, but massive pickup for Miami there. Clearly, KC uh, looking to just take a bit of a sidestep, get someone like Juju in and hope that that doesn't completely disrupt their offense that they've got rolling over there. But how do we see that playing out for him? Do you see Hill having, I mean, I don't think he can obviously replicate the seasons he had with Mahomes, but do we see obviously the target share is going to be pretty high for him there, but he's got Waddle, very fast uh, wide receiver core at Miami. Yep. A lot of speed in Miami, no doubt. And I suppose that's the appeal with Tua. Um, that's what gives him that ceiling. I mean, <laughs> throw. we know what Tyreek and even Waddle has shown to be capable of in terms of yards after the catch. So um, they could be a very dynamic offense um, in Miami. I think they're building a pretty nice team, obviously a, a new coach there this year. Um, and for the Chiefs, I think it's they almost looked at it, sort of what we've been talking about is get out of that wide receiver salary um, and they got you know a bunch of picks, and they addressed defense in the draft, um, and then took Sky Moore. So I think sort of Kansas City has opted for a more rounded team, if you like, um, and not having to pay superstar money, which is which Tyreek's obviously worth. So um, different philosophies coming into the NFL now after what you said, Hot, in in the terms that um, they've basically reset the wide receiver market. So teams are pivoting off them. Um, yeah, I, I think Tyreek Hill will be productive no matter where he is. What I'm interested to watch is uh, Waddle obviously came on really strong last year um, as the number one. 
Tyreek will take that position. But uh, the success against Mahomes came when they played this deep to cover sort of and made them throw everything under. But now I wonder if teams do this against Miami because now they have two of the quickest uh, players with the ball in the league. So I'm not sure how teams are going to play against them. It'll be really interesting to watch because um, mm. you can't double both. Uh, and there's plenty of yak opportunity for Hill and Waddle um, and Tua, obviously. So exciting times for the Dolphins, as uh, our illustrious friend Mayaha will tell you every time. For sure. <laughs> Keeping with the theme of this, Devontae Adams, obviously uh, the big news of Aaron Rodgers re-signing, and we didn't even mention that in the QB news, but Aaron Rodgers, after that whole off-season that went on last year, which was ridiculous, he re-signed for big bucks. And then would almost seem like a massive middle finger from Green Bay to, to Aaron Rodgers, Devontae just... Uh, he goes over to the Raiders there and reunites with his old college QB. And we said this a little bit last year as well, that with the success of Jamar, uh, with Chase, sorry, going to um, Cincinnati and reuniting with his college quarterback and having great success, I wonder if a few teams are going to chase that. And you've got Hollywood Brown reuniting with his. You've got Devontae reuniting with his. There's a few teams just trying to sort of catch that uh, same spark that, that since he got. But... Another massive move, and this is huge for the Raiders' offense and obviously a massive hit for Green Bay's offense. Keeney, is the Devontae Adams owner, how are you feeling? Uh, yeah, feeling okay. I think, look, I'd be a bit naive to suggest it um, wouldn't be a little bit of a bump with the difference between Carr and Rogers, but I think the the target share will still be there for them. Like you've alluded to, Hod, these superstar receivers just demand the ball, um, so he'll get it. Um, it's just the touchdowns. He just scored, you know, fifteen plus touchdowns in Green Bay. That's that's probably where his fantasy value comes down a fraction, I reckon, this year. But I think he's still a pretty solid wide receiver, one of the best in the league. So um, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, he'll he'll uh, similar to DeAndre Hopkins move to Arizona. I think he'll still be a top top ten. I think that's the floor. Um, but he could still be the number one wide receiver. But I. Fully agree with that. Green Bay obviously had so many red zone opportunities and Rogers loves a one-yard touchdown to Adams. So <laughs> we'll see uh, We'll see if Jake... Jake has car, doesn't he? Yep. He does. He'll. Uh, we'll see if they copy that cheesehead model and throw to Devontae when they get down there um, because that's where he's scored a lot of his points in the past few years. Absolutely. Calvin Ridley, uh, interesting one, obviously. Camo was... Hopeful that he might have seen the field this year and then he got hit with that suspension there, which was pretty big news the whole season he's gone for, so massive loss. Cole Beasley, uh, he, he made this list just more notably because the bloke isn't on a team anymore. Um, so yeah, I don't know, you, Keeney put that one in there and highlighted it as well just because old DFF was so big on the Beasles. Uh, just he's floating around there as a 30, what is he now, 38-year-old wide receiver, something like that, 40 <laughs> years old. He's just getting older by the day. Robert Woods, Tennessee, <laughs> coming off the knee injury. <laughs> <laughs> we really are. Uh, I think that's an interesting fit there, Robert Woods to Tennessee. Um, and from all reports, he's going to be pretty healthy by the time, you know, the season rolls around. So, yeah, Hod? Well, it probably says more about Julio, doesn't it? I mean, Woods is coming off a season-ending injury at the similar age, um, and Julio's without a job. Yeah, So absolutely. Um, Interesting. Juju to Kansas. We already touched on that. Allen Robinson, that was a good one by the Rams. It was 
not long after Woods left, wasn't it, that they picked him up mm. and paid him. So I'm just fascinated to see what Robinson can actually do in, you know, a reliable offense, one that kind of knows what they're doing. Haven't seen that in his whole career. He's gone from the Jags to the Bears and now finally to the Rams. So be interesting to see. And then we touched on a bit earlier, Amari Cooper going to Cleveland there and what looks like to be a bit of a steal for a fifth rounder they got him for. So Unbelievable. Crazy. It was the fir- almost that the is... first wide receiver to kick everything off, wasn't it? Yeah. Just yeah, obviously just to um, get off that Jump. money Cash again for the wide receivers. Um, yeah, what are we moving on to? A glorious position here. Well, There's the not a heap on the tight end. We've got tight one end. tight end listed and it's highlighted and I don't even think it's worth a mention. No offense to Seattle <laughs> as part of that uh, trade there. But now interesting in that you would think that uh, Russell Wilson going to Denver would have been a great thing for Noah, but he was shipped <laughs> on the, <laughs> to the other side in that trade there and now he's got to potentially catch passes from Geno or Drew again in Seattle. The only other... The only other move was Anthony Ferkser to Atlanta with the Mariota Ferkser stack. We're missing another huge one here. CJ Uzoma. <laughs> to the, to the gang green. There you go, the gang green. The gangly greens. Jesus, I, I, I can literally, sorry boys, I can hear the listeners dropping off by the second as we cover these putrid yeah, tight ends. Let's go to the lottery. Yeah, let's, uh, we'll finish with the lottery and oh boy, what a turnout to the Malvern Vale it was. Talk about uh, a Huge. difference a year makes. We had everyone up and about for the first lottery at the Malvern Vale and people holding hands and buying shots at two in the morning and it was very tame uh, Friday night, wasn't it, Keeney? Well, one of our co-hosts, Benjamin, on this podcast was at a date. He knew full well when the date was. He rang me the night before or the morning before, and I said, are you coming tomorrow? And he said, what's tomorrow? (laughs) And at that point, I was concerned. Considering the lottery this year really only concerned three people and you were one of them. He's one of them. How does this shit happen? Oh, I know. Uh Oh, oh. (laughs) I think you might need to check your words there, Ben, because that Friday night wasn't tame at all. Let me tell you. <laughs> anyway, get on, get on with the lottery. It's interesting because uh, this time last year, I obviously didn't have a great uh, interest in this night, even though we all showed up to the Melbourne Bell, and here we are. Uh, and another right. another member of this who is going to have a big say, I don't believe, was there. Is that right? Yeah, Manny, who holds uh, more than 50% of the first round, didn't even uh, turn up as well. So it's just old DFF on his own as the only person with skin in the game and then a bunch of other people to watch him really not get that excited about getting the 101. Uh, it was a pretty underwhelming <laughs> response, which yeah. which more just begs the question, do you really... I don't think this guy knows what he's going to do with the 101. I think that yeah. nerves instantly kicked in is what we saw on the bloke's face. It was fear. Yeah, indeed. And look, we will next episode go through a mock draft going through the first two rounds. But early days, that it was a bit of a uh, an interesting actual NFL draft. A few curveballs, the QBs fell, which will have long-lasting impacts in the rookie draft, you'd think. Um, but for mine, the look, it went as, as expected in terms of the order. The one change was that Steve was able to get up from pick four to pick three. 
um, in that lottery. And I just think that could be significant given where his roster is at, what he's looking for. Can he get a QB at three? I don't think he would have got one at four. So I think that move up to three gives him a little sniff at that position, but time will tell. Yeah, and one thing's for sure is that Manny will probably go around telling everyone that he's not too fussed about that and that he has no interest in drafting a player and he's looking to get rid of the pick. Who knows what he's going to do? It is just, it's going to leave him a little bit nervous with those two picks in front of him. Is it going to go running back, running back, running back QB? Really just depends. We know he doesn't value a running back, but now it seems like he doesn't value a QB as well. So he's just going to have a team of wide receivers on his hands because he's got all the first round picks. There were seven of them that went off the board. The bloke's just going to have 20 wide receivers rolling around on his list. Mm, Time will tell. I reckon Manny would just rather keep the picks forever. (laughs) Just doesn't have to draft any players. kicking them down the road. Maybe. Maybe him and Thais do a complete 22 and 23 swap on the night. Who knows? But uh, we won't run through too much because I'm with you, Keeney. I I have it on good authority that maybe uh, your phone's been lighting up a little bit, holding that 102 spot. Have you been getting a few little nibbles from the league? Grapevine. Grapevine. Plenty of nibbles recently, boys. Um, And, yes, the text came through tonight too. (laughs) (laughs) There are... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, Katie. You love it. Yeah. Um, yes, there has been a couple of nibbles. Um, this, like, my experience with the draft, if we go back to the very first startup, I got bugger all interest in that 101. Um, but the 102 here in this rookie draft is getting a little looksy. Um, so it's I can funky. confirm that it has tonight and in days prior as well. So, interesting spot um, to be and looking forward to this draft. And I am very much looking forward to next week's episode and where we'll run past a uh, 2022 mock draft. And I can tell you, with myself and Benjamin having absolutely zero interest in this draft, not holding a pick, it'll be fascinating to see the depth of insight from one Brody Hoddick. I reckon he's going to be full of top-shelf analysis and we might have to defer to him at some point with a few picks because you'll be all over it. Call me Mel Kuyper, boys. Whee! Oh, and on that note, you are right. The amount of head wobbles and nods that I've seen on my screen tonight is very Mel Kuyper-esque from you, Hod. But uh, you did allude to it, Keeney, and that is next week's episode is going to be our Rookie Mock Draft, which is a must-tune-in event if I could spruik it up anymore, and I will. We might even uh, try, and it's going to be very hard because we're going to find out on the actual recording of the Mock Draft who is going to pick at what position. We'll do a random spinning of a wheel or or something along those lines. We might even... Do some lottery balls, Keeney. You found a good app for that one. Um, And that does mean that one of the three of us has to get into the impossible mindset of the DFF and actually try and figure out what that bloke is going to do with the 101 because I don't think he even knows what he's going to do. Yes, no, you couldn't be more correct there. The DFF's head is spinning, no doubt, but uh, definitely looking forward to it. And, boys, it is great to be back on the airwaves coming to you. Sweet, sweet tones of our three beautiful voices. Hod. 
Yes, the sponsors are, as I said earlier, lining up and they are waiting for the three of us to be back in the one residence and that is at Glenifer Avenue. And we will very much get into it again live next week. Boys, can we confirm it? Confirmed. 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 Very firm. Good. Because <laughs> when when you grace me with your presence, I may have received more nibbles from one sensible haircut. Because if he can throw me one of those haircuts of yours, Benny Parker, <laughs> I may just, in fact, give him the 102. That's how good you're looking at the moment. <laughs> in saying that, boys, it's been a pleasure. And for the first time, but not the last, podcast over and out.